Hey guys, you're now listening to the Maranatha House Podcast. had a dream last night that I started teaching for like 10 minutes and I realized I didn't record and I was like ah. so. <laughs> this is your reminder. yeah yeah this is my thorn in my flesh uh, <laughs> what, a thorn. what a thorn no so today is part two last week we talked about or a couple weeks ago we talked about what is a disciple that a disciple is a follower not a convert we brought that up earlier um it costs you something to follow Jesus. It's not this everyone gets on for free and don't have to give anything to it. I mean, it, it will cost you your life. Um, but at the end of your own life is where you'll find life abundantly from the Father. So we shouldn't be afraid of yielding and giving and surrendering ourselves to Him because He takes that and gives us way more than we could ever imagine. Way better than we could ever imagine. Um, and today... We're going to talk about repentance. Um, so this is part two. We're doing an eight-week series on building a healthy disciple. What are like the key things that you should go through with a new uh, person who wants to follow Jesus? Um, and we're going to go point by point by point. I stole this from this ministry called The Last Reformation, uh, led by a guy named Torben Sondergaard. He's from Denmark. He lives here in the States. Um, and I wanted to share this when we did the first week, but I forgot. Um, but I just wanted to honor his ministry because Torben is like an amazing man of God. I mean, you can look him up on YouTube if you need to know how to spell his name. I can help you because it's wacky. But um, on YouTube, I mean, he's, his teachings are amazing. They're really, really good. Um, he's got a couple movies. Um, and uh, he's just, he's one of the guys that I feel like is actually living out the gospel in a healthy way. And right now, he's, because of how faithfully I feel like he's following the gospel, he's being heavily persecuted in the States. To where right now he's been in jail as of today. Like, I think it's eight or nine months. Eight or nine months. He's been in prison. Uh, Here? Mm-hmm, in Florida. They, they arrested him, didn't tell him what it was for. Later on, found out that there was somebody who claimed that he was an arms dealer, like framed him as like an arms dealer, which this guy tore. <laughs> you listen to him talk, you're like, this guy's not an arms dealer. Yeah. Since then, that charge has been dropped, but they won't explain why they're, st- they're remaining to hold him. And it is very, <clears throat> they, his ministry's put out a bunch of information every time they get updates with it, but it's very evident that one of the things that they're imprisoning him for is the fact that he's causing disruption. Because where he goes, miracles happen, people change and convert to Christianity. He is an enemy to, you know... And he got uh, kicked out of Denmark because of his faith. Yeah, this isn't the first place he's gotten kicked out. Denmark, he he got kicked out uh, because he was performing miracles. They wrote a law saying you could not perform miracles or something like that in Denmark. And so he, he got... His whole ministry had to uproot like overnight, and they all scattered to like Europe. And he ended up coming to America to seek asylum, and 
I guess now he's right. Well, and so now the threat is that they want to. He's been getting kicked out of Florida. Right, right. Well, he's imprisoned, and they want to kick him back out. So where would he have to go? Back to Denmark, his home country. Where so you could see, I, I wanted to honor him because he is a saint. He's a brother. Like you might not know him, but he's a part of the body, and he is undergoing some serious persecution. I mean, his wife. We should pray for him. His wife has been. She's having like a mental. She's having a mental breakdown because it's been too much. I can't imagine. You know, he's got kids that he hasn't been able to see. He missed his daughter's like 18th or 21st birthday or something like that. Um, you know, and it's even in the jail, he's leading people to Christ. He's leading all these people to, to be believers. But there's just injustice going on, and so we need to be praying for them. Um, like Jesus. He was kicked out of his home. Yeah, like Paul, he teaches even in prison. Exactly. So he's living out the gospel. I mean, I've got a lot of favorite pastors here in the States. I don't know many of them that are undergoing the type of persecution that this guy's going through. I'm not trying to use that as a way to uh, uh, undercut them or something like that. I'm just saying this guy, Torben, is undergoing serious persecution. And I think it's because he's, he's got the right idea. He's doing things right. So this whole layout is directly from his ministry. They have it on little brochures. Um, and so I, I just think it's so simple and so effective. And the reason we're doing it is because I want all of you to feel comfortable to talk to people in your workplace, to talk to people in your neighborhood, to eventually open the door if somebody's like, you know, I see... so. <clears throat> This is a testimony. Oh, yeah. Every time we go for a walk now, people stop us and they're like, so what actually do you guys do on Sundays? <laughs> you know, and because they see all the cars out front. You mean that's like how me? He, that's, <laughs> that's how, he that's how Dick got here. <laughs> but more and more, you know, and so we're just like, yeah, we, we have a, a church that meets in our house, you know. It's stuff like that, that consistency is starting to make people aware of what's going on, you know. Who knows when we'll get another open door to talk to these people and say, you know, uh, what if they come to us and say, you know, I, I see you guys doing a church. I'm not really comfortable with going to church, but maybe I'd like to go to y'all's church because y'all meet in that house. I think I feel comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. I can say, that would be awesome. Maybe, too, you know, we could meet outside of church and I could take you through some scripture if you want to, if you really want to know what this is about. Um, or there's a guy that I really like. He's from Germany, and I cannot remember his name for the life of me. But he talks. He he did a thing in his neighborhood where he invited everyone to his home. He had a big dinner made for all these people. His wife was furious because he didn't plan it out right, and she was. Didn't you know, have enough food. She didn't have enough food, and he's like, "It doesn't matter. We just make sure the wine's filled." You know. <laughs> and uh, so he invites all these people over to his house that he's known, he's worked with, he's rubbed shoulders with, and he just announces to him, hey, you know, I, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I just, I'm excited you're here and sharing the food with me at my table. I do, however, want to share something. You don't have to accept it, but this is what I offer to you. I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, and I believe that Jesus is for everyone. And so if you're interested in that Jesus, if you're interested in my faith, I would love to show you. I would love to commit to a couple weeks and you can come over hang out and we can go through the scripture together because I know everybody has questions about the Bible and all this stuff well come to find out like a bunch of the people from that group ended up saying yeah we want to do that 
And so he got to meet with all these unbelievers and take them through scripture until pretty much all of them got saved. Um, you know, this is, this is modern day evangelism. No longer can we just hand out tracts or just walk up to people and say, Jesus loves you and walk off. You know, th that had its time. And I'm not saying it won't work today, but I shared this before. The culture is different. People nowadays are very informed because they have this at the palm of their hand. And whether they're reading the right or wrong articles, everyone feels informed and intelligent in some fashion. Um, and so going to them and sharing a brochure, they're going to read that and go, this is stupid. This is biased. It's written by a, a person who doesn't even know, you know all this stuff. We want to take people to Scripture and help walk with them with humility. Kind of like Jesus when he walked with the two disciples on the road from Emmaus. He appears to the two disciples, and these guys are arguing about the Scriptures, and they, you know, they're confused about a certain point. And Jesus shows them how all the points match up. And they don't even know it's Jesus. They just think he's some random guy. Um, but that's how I want to be. Like, I don't want to be seen as some massive Christian or some amazing celeb or something like that. I want to be the guy that's grinding where nobody else sees except for the Lord. And that I just get to be a light to the people in my neighborhood. Um, so that's what this is all about. Making it super simple. Because you cannot teach all of Christianity or the gospel in eight weeks. But... How do you get a good, healthy start? This is a great way. So, repentance. We're going to go through some scriptures. We have three questions that we ask with each scripture passage. Number one, what does this passage say about God? Number two, what does this passage say about me or mankind in general? And then number three, the question is, is there something that I need to do or obey from the scripture? And that's all we ask. Cool? All right, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 will be our first passage. <clears throat> I'll give you a little background info. The beginning of this chapter is when Jesus enters into the desert and is tempted um, for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, and so now he's, he's freshly come out of the desert and he's starting to begin his ministry in Galilee. So does somebody want to read... Verse 12 to verse 17. I can do it. Okay, cool. 12 to 17? Yeah, 12 through 17. Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the, of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has gone. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Cool. So we're reading that whole passage, but really what I want to focus on is verse 17. So what does verse 17 say? From that time on, Jesus, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, mm -hmm. saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Cool. What does it mean to repent? 
just I say sorry. Not just, oh, forgive me. Actually, physically changing. turning and changing. For the, for good. That's right. That's right. Yep. We all do. Trust. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Welcome to church. It's different. Which is more so. No. No. There's a verse. You know what I think that says? There's no temptation taken you, but such as is common. Mm-hmm. Which means there's nothing unique in your temptations that isn't applicable to every other yes. belief. And that's where Thank you, baby. Because otherwise, if I can say, if you think that way, then that's the way that the enemy keeps you down. Yeah. And if you think that you're the only one, then you'll stay isolated in your mind. But you're not alone. Yeah. Everybody struggles with it too. It might be in a different way. Yeah. We all struggle with different sin, but we do all struggle. So yeah. You're not alone. Yeah. Like Star Wars, there's there's always a bigger fish. It's <laughs> <laughs> always someone who's suffered more or less than you. What a quote. Um so very simply looking at this passage, what does the scripture say about God? So where where is God present in this passage? That's a good question. Huh? He's near. He's near. So yeah, so the kingdom of heaven. That phrasing, typically in the other gospels, it's kingdom of God. But in Matthew, because Matthew's writing to the Jewish people, he writes oftentimes about kingdom of heaven. And the reason he uses kingdom of heaven is because for a Jewish person, it would have been, they would have understood it as another way to talk about God without actually saying his name to like, disrespect God if that makes sense so it's like the kingdom of heaven God's reign God's rule and authority that's what Jesus is saying God's rule and authority is coming down here and it's near so if that's coming what do we need to do repent we need to change and when thinking about the last time we talked about being a follower and not just a convert what does that changing look like It's basically turning to... Did you have something? A great example of this would be when Jonah went to Syria. Nineveh. Uh, Nineveh, thank you. Uh-huh. They all immediately, as soon as he gave his message, changed within like the very moment. That's right. That's yeah. right. And they, but, So when they changed, even there, what were they changing from? Their allegiance was probably to another god or to themselves. And so they changed their allegiance to, to Yahweh, yeah. the God of Israel. That's exactly right. So, what is God in this passage? He's the one we repent towards. We change towards Him. He's also near, which is awesome. He's also Jesus, so that's pretty cool. Uh, so what does this passage say about me, or you, personally? We need to align ourselves with how God 
God's kingdom works. Yeah. So we can. Yeah. And you need to make yourself familiar with how God's kingdom works. That's right. Yes, and yes, and understand it only enough though to do it. Mm. My problem is with that. I I realize now that I have to try to perceive and understand the full meaning of what he tries to tell me. And I shouldn't do that. I should just understand it enough to do it. And if afterwards I understand it then, or he explains it to me why I did it, and I, you know, that's a bonus, but that's I don't right. need to understand. That's a great point. That's a Just great point. Yeah, it's like when your dad tells you to do the dishes. Wow. I don't want to do the dishes. Why do I always have to do dishes? I didn't ask. I didn't, I'm, I'm not asking you. I said, go do the dishes. Yes. And so there's a, a thing with, yes, we should be understanding. Like, we should learn about the kingdom. But if our understanding causes us to stop doing things for the kingdom... Something's wrong. Yes. Because we can get stuck in that place where it all becomes about intellect and I have to understand all this. And then we'll get to the end of our life and say, God, I understood you. And he's like, yeah, but did you feed the, the poor? Did you give a cup of cold water to the one who needed it? Mm-hmm. And it says, like, lean not on your own understanding. That's right. I feel like yeah. intellect warns us against that. That's right. right. Intellect can become an idol so fast. It's easier to trust sometimes your own brain yeah. than it is to trust what he's saying. And I didn't know it until yes. recently. That's right. It's called prayer. It's called prayer. An, an example of mm-hmm. repentance. <laughs> the father that had two sons, and he told one to go into the field and work that day. And he says, yeah, I'll do that, and didn't. Yeah. And the other one said, I'm not going to do that. And then he repented and went and did it. Yeah. And a, a lot of times we think that to repent means to stop doing things. Stop drinking, stop smoking, stop cussing, stop going through stop signs right. and everything like that. But what about the things about begin doing stuff? Begin saying hi to the neighbor. Yep. Or to someone in the store, or whatever. Waving with five fingers. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> not just one. <laughs> yeah, that's what. Uh, not just your Jimmy talking. Carter said that when he was no longer president. Yeah. People started waving to him with five fingers. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, I mean that's exactly right. It's like we have to. We talk about this all the time, the difference between the Greek mindset and the Jewish mindset, and how in the West we suffer because we think of things with a very Greek mindset, which is very much based on spiritual and supernatural and stuff like that, which is fine, but the Jewish mind was super practical. Everything that was spiritual was also practical. Everything was all in one. And so when we come to the West, I think a lot of times in church, we turn it into this intellectual game where it's all about how much more can I understand? How much more knowledge can I gain? And as I get more knowledge, I feel like I'm being more saved or redeemed. And the same people are deceived because they're growing in all this knowledge, yet they walk with a blind eye to those around them. And we're going to see in some of these other passages that repentance calls for physical action. 
So yeah. we're gonna get there. But yeah. Another thing too, like in Genesis, Adam and Eve they sinned uh -huh. by being told that they would have all of this knowledge. Right. That they would know good that's versus right. evil. That's right. And that's not the way. Like yeah. we just need to trust the Father, not like figure out all this knowledge on our own. Yeah. To become our own God. Yep. Yeah. Whatever. Some of the healthiest Christians are the ones in the Middle East right now, in Iran and other countries where it's illegal to be a Christian, because they're not interested in just gaining a bunch of knowledge. Yeah. What they tell them over there is, read your Bible, read a passage a day, if that. Usually it's like a verse or two. They say, read it, and then do it. Yeah. Practice it. Obey it. And that's how they grow. So they couldn't tell you. They probably couldn't memorize all 66 books in the Bible. You know what I mean? They probably couldn't memorize all the, the, the Torah or something like that. But they've walked it out. And that is offensive to an intellectual person. I know. But trust me, that, that's why we're in the predicament we're in today. Because so many people have focused on intellect that you're arguing with people intellectually that are not going to listen to you intellectually. You know what I mean? The kingdom of God is not just an intellect, but it's power. Yeah. Power. All right. It so, like, it reminds me of like, <clears throat> love the Lord your God with all your heart, heart your soul, soul, and your mind, mind, which really is like your willpower. Yeah. It's not just like your brain. That's right. It's your decisions. It's your whole being. Yeah. Every bit of you. I think that's why Thomas was hesitant to believe that Jesus came back from death. Is he wanted to, uh -huh. but he said, I, basically he was saying, I don't want to put false hope in this. Mm. If it is true, then by far, I'm in it all the way. My, yeah. my dice is in completely. Right. But if this is false, then I don't want to have anything to do with it. Right. And he, I think he was trying to possibly understand sure. how it was all working. Yes, yeah, totally. He's dead. How can he still live? Yeah, Thomas probably said, I watched him die. I was there. Ain't no way. I saw it. I saw him get buried. You know, and at that point, they're probably embarrassed because they gave up everything to go follow this guy that everyone else was telling him, you're morons. You know, why would you leave your job? You had a great job. You had a great family. You had a great life ahead of you. Yeah. <laughs> so they probably felt embarrassed. So, all right. So the last question here is, is there something I need to do or obey from this passage? Repent. Cool. All right. Luke chapter 3. Let's go over there. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So, in repenting, we need to see what the scriptures have to say so that we don't do certain things. But in addition to that, the scriptures also tell us what we should be doing, like loving the person next door. Yeah. Yep. Who wants to love the person next door? <laughs> you know, their dog barks all the time. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Or they're part of the alphabet. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that's that's totally real. It's like, we, we can't know God's mind until we read his word. So we do need to grow in the knowledge of that. Um, Mike Bickle says it really well. I want to become a student of God's emotions. Meaning, I want to study what his emotions are throughout the Bible. When he's happy, I want to do those things that make him happy. When he's angry, 
I want to not do those things that make him angry. And that's going to stay consistent throughout Scripture because he never changes. It's a really cool way of looking at it. All right, but Luke chapter 3. Um, we're going to read verse 7 through... Um, let's just read 7 through 9. <clears throat> and this is John the Baptist, by the way. John chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. <clears throat> so John... I, I love John Baptist because he would never get a job in America. <laughs> he would not be invited to any of our churches. John was, you know, uh, lived out in the wilderness. He ate locusts and whatever dressed else. Fun. Dressed funny, you know. Uh, he just he probably stinky. Probably stank so bad, but he wasn't. He was interested in one thing, and that was his mission, his goal, which God told him is. You know, becoming the voice, the, the forerunner, the one preparing the way for the Messiah. He took that real serious. So, seven through what? Seven through nine. Um, yeah. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree does not produce good fruit, will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And actually, I'm going to have you read all the way up to, uh, let's read through 14. What should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, the man with two tunics should share one with, with who has none. Wait a minute, I've lost my place. And the one who has food should do the same. Tax collectors also came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Yep, that's perfect. All right, so... The focus is 7 through 9, but I wanted to read 10 through 14 to give a little more context to what was happening. But um, what, what do we see that stands out here? John, or sorry, Luke chapter 3. Oh, okay. You said John 3. Did I say John 3? I guess, because literally no one else caught it either, so... No, you said Luke. No, you said Luke, but you said you loved him. I, no, no I meant Luke, but when you told Angel, yeah, when he asked the second time. Oh, my bad, bro. It's Luke. <laughs> and so you're like, Luke yeah, that's where we are. Still need a long to learn. Yo, dog, you've been sabotaged. You think I've had a different Bible? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. Okay. See, Luke I must repeat. <laughs> my question was, what? what? What do you see here that stands out? Um... Things that we're supposed to do, right? As a as a result or evidence of repentance. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I think one of the most important is that we should be content. Yeah. Yeah. Be content. Easier said than done. Huh? Easier said than done. You grow into it. Yeah. The older you get, the more yes. content you get. I must feel pretty old. Yeah, I think of all, I all the stuff in the news. All these people, they're standing protesting for this, and the, uh, another person's protesting against, against it. And, you know, there's just, nobody's content. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What else do y'all see here? I think it stood out to me is that, like, if you have extra, give it away to somebody who doesn't have it. Mm -hmm. like, and you, don't take extra. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you have if you have the means to help somebody, to help them, uh, it's, it's not it's not I can't that's probably in the Bible somewhere. I can't remember this, but there's a TV show called Letter Kenny. Uh huh. Great show, but one of the main characters who's like helps this guy, and he's like he doesn't like him, and they fight constantly. But he comes to him, and he's like needs help, and they're like, why are you helping him? He's like, because if a man asks for help, you help him. Yeah. Um, and I love. That that's just kingdom mentality is like, hey, be content with what you have. But if you have more than you need, go to somebody who doesn't and help them. Iron sharpens iron, man right. sharpens man. Mm -hmm. Yep. I love. I already said I love John the Baptist, but I've always it's you very know very outspoken. Very much so. And I I've always heard Jesus call the. The Pharisees, the brood of vipers, but John sees Jewish people coming out to him because he's out in the wilderness, right? Yeah. And like these pompous Jews, they wouldn't come out there. But then they start hearing about this guy who's baptizing with water, and so they're like, "Let's go see what he's all about." He's like, "You bunch of knuckleheads, who warned you?" <laughs> like I was thinking about it. It's almost like he's saying, "Like God, why did you let these people know about your forgiveness? Because they shouldn't get it." Like, I mean, he's just straightforward. Like, yeah. these are the worst kind of people. These are the rebellious people who rebelled against Yahweh. Who warned you? Dang it. <laughs> who let the word out? It's hilarious to me. He's like Jonah. And he probably knew those people, you know, from living in the area. So it's just funny. Like, oh, man. He just doesn't hold back. Um, but he tells them, I like what Dick brought up. He tells them, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Meaning, when you repent, you actually do something actionable, tangible, real, practical. It's not just this, because the, the, this is one of the problems with the Pharisees, is they internalized, they, they were super intellectual, they were super smart and knew all the things and knew all the law, and, but they, their knowledge had puffed them up so much to where... They ignored the least of these. And so, I mean, this is so important that when we repent, that we're looking for fruits. And, and if I'm not bearing fruit, like if, I, if I'm sitting here at church today and we go through worship and I'm singing stuff like, there's none like you, God. You're worthy of it all. And then this afternoon when everybody leaves... And there's some homeless guy walking down the street, comes up, knocks on my door, and asks for money. And I just tell him, nah, nope, 
just turn them away. I'm too tired. I can't deal with you. Then I haven't actually repented. I might have had a spiritual experience with the Lord, but it led to nothing, and so it doesn't count. It doesn't matter. It's, it's dung, as Paul would say. It's worth nothing. If we read the Bible and we aren't changed, something's wrong. If we go through worship and sing things to Him and pray and nothing changes, something's wrong. Our lives, every time we come to the Father, should be changing. Little by little. You know, it's not going to change overnight. Like, I'm not saying you're going to pray today and then tomorrow you're going to be a faith healer and healing everybody who comes to your door. It's small steps. But I want us to be aware. Are we bearing fruits that we've repented? It's like evidence. Yeah. Do we? It's the evidence that there's been change. Yes. Yeah. And then kind of ties into what we said last week about um, faith without actions is dead. Oh, yeah. And I didn't even realize that repentance was an action word too. It's yes. not just asking. Because that's the struggle I always had sometimes growing up was if someone's had a horrible life and they repent, they just ask for forgiveness. Somehow they just get into heaven. But it's not just saying, I'm sorry. It's um, And I looked up the, the actual word, and it's um, it said changing your mind and uh, uh, hating your old action. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I like that. So, yeah. I've always it, heard, like, doing a 180. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a 360. Going a different turn. direction. Yeah. 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 So I, I like hating the actions. Yeah. yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. Um. One thing that's interesting is that God called King David a man after his own own heart. Mm -hmm. And yet, David was a murderer and an adulterer. But when Nathan came to him and told him the story, who did he say he sinned against? He sinned against God. And obviously, he repented from that point. Mm -hmm. So that he could be called yeah. a man after God's own heart. Right. Whereas Adam, when he sinned, he blamed it on his wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And God at the same time. Yeah. yeah. He blamed you God and it. his wife yeah. at the same time. Yeah, he, he got this woman. Yeah. he got everybody that was around at that time. <laughs> it was everyone but me. Yeah. The original blame. Blame shift. That's right. Yeah. Imagine trying to gaslight God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. He knows himself too well. He gonna see right through that. Yeah. Um, One thing I could add is with me is sometimes because of my ADHD I will hear what you tell me to you know ask me to do, but I won't process it, and so listening without action yeah if you hear a ask or a command but don't act on it then you really didn't listen to it but you also have to listen before you do things Mm -hmm. so it's just a mix of the two Mm -hmm. yeah 100 percent so what or oh that was what i was going to say Verse 9 should scare the living daylights out of us. John says, Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Does it say every tree that's prayed the prayer is saved? Every tree that attends the right church service? No. 
every tree that bears fruit. Bears fruit. We better be bearing fruit. Yeah. This says good fruit. That's right. So that's right. Good fruit. Yeah. Good fruit. Not it's, just bad fruit. It's kind of like uh, the olive tree that Jesus went to. Uh -huh. af, you know, after he came into Jerusalem on the donkey. Is that the one the he cursed? Yes. Yeah. That's uh, the fig sorry, tree. Sorry, the fig yeah. tree. My bad. It's okay. <laughs> My dad has the same kind of problem. Yeah, that was a prophetic thing. Because he walks by it one day, he goes to pick a fig from it because he thought it should be in season, and it wasn't. And so he curses it, and then the next day they walk past the tree, and it's, it's dead. It's withered. Yeah. And it was a prophetic sign to, you know, the, the Jews. Um, oh, like they had a thousand fruit. signs that this was going to happen. But. You're rotten to me. Right, right. Um, <clears throat> so then, yeah, verse 10 through 14, it's practical. The people ask, okay then. What do we need to do, a.k.a. what do we re need to repent towards? What do we need to turn towards? Good work. So the first ones, yeah. He who has two tunics, give to him who has none. He who's got food, give to him who has none. Then the tax collectors came out. What should we do? <clears throat> he said, don't take any more than what's appointed to you. Do your job honestly with integrity. Yeah. Um, yes. Then the soldiers asked him, you know, well, what, what about us? And Jesus, uh, John says, don't intimidate anyone or accuse falsely and be content with your wages. Because the soldiers at the time were very manipulative. They'd, they'd force the people to do all kinds of crazy stuff. It's kind of like Salem witch trial. Oh, you're a witch? Okay. I'm going to report you to the authorities so uh -huh. I can get your nice car or something. Sure, sure. I've they never seen Salem witch trial, so. But that's it's, it's a similar idea. That's, that's how my plan It's a similar idea. So, from this passage, who is God? What, what does this passage say about God? Um, he's, he's fair. Yeah. And, and he cares for everyone. Yeah. He is good, but not safe. And he, like Aslan. It's, I think that's a common misconception. Sure. The God is safe. It's yes. the, the kingdom is is it, it is about the going back to like the body like it's about the good of the body right like every right. like the whole body needs to flourish. That's it's right. not just like one specific area. Right. So like it's the kind of thing where like that's where I guess where God looks at it and he's like this is the big picture. I see the big picture. So like you have what you need. Everything else, give to those who don't need so that yeah. they can have what they need. Right. Yes. Right. And ultimately a judge, too. Yes. And yep. he asks you to do something. He doesn't command you to do it. But if you don't do what he asks you to do, then he won't shield you when danger comes to you. Hmm. He won't at your door. There will be consequences. There will be consequences. He, yeah, he won't shield you from danger ahead of time. I don't know if that's... I mean, he's protected he me when I've been. Shield you from the consequences. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
you're inside of this tent. You're dry inside of this tent, right? So God's the tent. We are the person inside the tent. God's our protection. So if we stay inside that tent, if we obey and do the things that he's asked us to do, we're safe. Yeah. But, you know, if we decide to wander out into the, the rain, is that God's fault? Is that is that God forcing us to go through bad things? If we choose not no, it's it's we chose to go out into the rain, chose to leave what was safe because we thought we knew what was better for us, and then we walked it out into danger willingly. So that's that's the best way I think to think about that. But. And we also have to keep the tent tidy and secure because if he if the tent somehow spoke to us and said, hey. This part of me over here is got extra strain. If you could do something to help with that, mm-hmm. otherwise there'll be a rip. Mm-hmm. The water's gonna get through. If we don't act upon it, we can't really blame the tent for ripping because it gave. It might us be taking it a little far. Let, let's again, we'll, we'll again, talk about it a little assuming more. Assuming that the tent could speak to us. <laughs> let, let, let's okay. We'll we'll talk about it a little more. But let's move to this next question because I'm taking forever to get through these verses. What, what does this passage say about God? We say, okay, we got that part. He's a judge. He's, uh, he's fair. He's not always safe. You know, he's at, good, but not safe. And he can, he can cause... Uh, if we're not obedient to him, we will pay a price. That's the whole part of the fairness. Um, so, number two, what does the scripture say about me? What then shall we do, brethren? Yes. I need to bear fruit. Yes, I need to repent, become more like him, and that I need my life to show that I'm becoming more like him. That's a really good way of putting it. Whatever and it's in simple things. Yeah. Whatever you're called to do, do it the way he commands you to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you're a soldier, don't intimidate and manipulate. Right. If you're a tax collector, don't take more than what you mm-hmm. need. Be yeah. fair. Like, do your job well, <clears throat> yeah. what you're called to do. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he's just, he's... Uh, he's very practical. He's not asking us to do too much. You know how simple it is to, you know, if somebody comes to your door, hey, I, I, I'm freezing out here. You got a jacket? Dog, take mine. You can have it. Yeah. It's the, the love of the jacket. That, huh? If you're a landlord, you should treat your ten- tenants just like you would treat your own family. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's kind of hard to do sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're, if you're a police worker and your family has been speeding, you yeah. need to treat them just like you would any other person. That's right. Take them straight to jail. Help. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, straight to jail. All right. So I think we answered all the questions for that one. Let's go to the next verse. Uh, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. You said John 3. Yeah, John 3, for those, <laughs> for those who don't like that. <laughs> yeah, for those who want to go on their own. Say, say two or three. Uh, chapter 2. They said three. Okay. So, so we're going to focus. Thanks, y'all. Come on. Going down with you. We're going to focus on verses 37 and 38. The context of this is this is right after Pentecost when the Holy Spirit moves in the upper room where they're praying. They get baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire and they start speaking in tongues. And then Peter get, stands up to give all these Jewish people uh, a sermon. And it's not a very, uh, it's not a very American sermon, <laughs> that's for sure. He's like, you killed him. <laughs> you guys did it. 
He was talked about throughout Scripture. Like, look at all this in the Old Testament. And this was the one. And you wicked people killed him. <laughs> it's like, oh. So this is right after it happens. Okay, so verse 37. Who wants to read 37 and 38? I can do it. Uh, read 37 through 39, if you don't mind. 37 through 39? Yes, please. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remissions of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Mm. What you see there. And he is calling you. Yep. It's it's not just let me call this person and this person excludes you. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe this person. Every. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know if repentance necessarily directly leads to the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's repent and then go to the Holy Spirit. It's like turn away and then go to this other thing. Because if you don't, it's like when when Jesus casts out the demons. He's like if you if he's not replaced by something that's good, the godly. It's just, you're eventually going to go from a 180 to a 360 and go back to the pain. So, like, it's almost, I would say, two actions. is repenting and then seeking the kingdom. But yeah, repentance has to come first, right? This repent. One, this one says, repent and let every one of you be baptized, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... That, it makes sense that. what you're saying. Yeah. It's just this scripture. Maybe, I, I guess, it, culturally, that would be... Would that be a thing where, like, they would have just understood repentance as, like, oh, well, we're turning away from this other thing, going to this other thing? Oh, yeah. They would have, it would have made sense as turned away. That is definitely just a Christian term that's just thrown around. Well, it's the right word. Yeah. It's just the way we've come to understand the word is different from the way they understood the word. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like, we don't use repent in our modern language. Like, we use turn away. Like, if you, if I'm or watching TV like, and something bad comes on, I'm supposed to turn away, right? Turn away. One eighty. Even apologize, I think, is another word. Like sure. you can apologize for something, right? But it's so much more than that. Right. It's mm-hmm. not just being sorry. Oh, that's right. It's like living that's differently. Right. That's right. It's not doing it again. Right. Not yeah. wanting to. It's, right. yeah. yeah. It's a pact to never make the same mistake. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, in verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. That's, that's an interesting thought, mm-hmm. being cut to the heart. It reminds me of Hebrews 4, where it says, The word of God is quick uh-huh. and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Mm-hmm. So apparently the word of God is pretty sharp. Yeah. It's like the blinders were taken off in that moment where Peter is telling them. The word of God, not not a story. That's right. That's right. He's preaching them the gospel from the Old Testament. And, you know, I'm sitting here giving that picture of he's going, you killed him. I don't think that's exactly how Peter did it. I think he was very straightforward, but I think he was probably like, look at this. Look at this Old Testament passage. This is him. And you killed him. Like, it's more of an urgency rather than a, Accusation, you know what I mean? It could have been a combo. 
because Could have Peter been. was really um, Peter was pretty sharp. Peter, Peter was pretty uh, straightforward. Yeah. So, all right. Each time that it says like they were cut to the heart or that they make a statement, their response is always, what shall we do? Right. Like, the response mm-hmm. is, let's take an action. What, okay, this is great. We see that. What do we do about it? Right. Yeah. Which is great. Like, you always want to take an action when yeah. you see something that you should change. Yeah. And going back to what you said, the Lord made everything through speech. Mm-hmm. So, saying anything out loud really does matter. Because our words do have sure. power. That's that right. We, Hold you accountable once you get it out of your head. Say it out loud. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So, who is God in this passage? He's the one that we turn to. Yeah. That's when right. We, when we turn away from, we turn to him. That's right. We turn away from other things. We turn towards him. And he's also the giver of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And go figure. He is the Holy Spirit. They're the same. One and the same. And when we read verse 39, Peter brings up the promise. For the promise is to you and to your children, to all who are far off. That's Joel chapter 2, verse 28 through 29. Talking about the Holy Spirit being poured out on all flesh. Mm-hmm. Men, women, children. Everything. He's a promise keeper. Yep, he's a promise keeper. So, alright. Just flip over right over to the next page. Acts 3. <clears throat> and we're going to read... We're going to read 11 through... Uh, Probably should have read this whole thing. What was the chapter? Acts 3. Oh. <laughs> Let's read through 21, 11 through 21. Yeah, go ahead. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's College. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by your own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate though he had decided to let them go. You, or sorry, though he had decided to let him go. Uh, you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked the murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see made strong in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him and has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. 
Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even uh, Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. Cool. Thank you. So we're going to focus on verse 19. The whole passage was just to give us some context of what was happening. But what does verse 19 say? Repent, therefore, and be converted. Or, <clears throat> follow me. Um, <clears throat> that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I can't find my book. What stands out there? Is that verse 19? Uh-huh. It reminds me of the scripture, I think it's in Psalms somewhere, where it says David prayed to have clean hands and a pure heart so he can ascend to God's holy hill. Uh -huh. Meaning like, when you're clean, yeah. you can be with God right. in his presence fully. Yeah. It's not that he's not with us, it's that when you're clean, like, you can, you're just one again. Yeah. Like, everything's taken care of. Yeah. So. Yeah. And... Unless we die the first death and live um, the second, then we cannot ever be in his presence. Because sin, in his presence, it cannot be at all. Which is why he never has given us, he never has shown any human being on earth his full glory. Right. Because it would vaporize us. Sure. We would not exist. Sure. I just think that's really important to realize when he says this. Yeah. It's almost like an it's an echo of when when, uh, when John the Baptist and Jesus first said, "Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." And now Peter's like, "Hey, repent." The kingdom of heaven is here. Right. It's here. Right. Like, it was at hand. It was coming. Now yeah. it's here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, the final, the final battle is over. It's, it's, the victory is great. Uh, yeah. And so, I think that's the thing too. Is like, it it its conviction leads to this the true conviction of like, hey, this is where you're at. Where you're at sucks right now. Right. Uh. But there's another way to repent and, and embrace that. Who are they preaching to? Who's Peter preaching to right now? Israelites. Israelites. What kind of Israelites? Believers. I don't know. I don't think so. Because it says, repent, therefore, and be converted. Yeah. So, Solomon's... He's just giving directions or so explanation to what... So, we should have, should have read the whole chapter if we had, like, uber amounts of time. Yeah. But... This is the story where uh, Peter and uh, John go up to the temple. Um, 
and there's a lame man at the gate called Beautiful, and he's asking for alms and stuff, and Peter and John look at him, and they, they don't have any money to give him, but they're like, you know, get up and walk. So they walk, and... Uh, so now, right, so now they're in this place called Solomon's Porch, or Solomon's Portico, and this is where a bunch of lame and crippled and diseased people, like, stayed, and... Um, basically, so now he's preaching to these these crippled people, these hurt people. He's saying, "Be refreshed, be repent, and and that way you can experience what does he say? Times of refreshing, yeah. that your sins would be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord." So, what does this say about God? Restores. And he wants to restore yeah. and refresh. Yeah. That's his desire. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't want us to live burnt out, stressed out, blacked out. Literally like lame, yeah. lame and diseased. diseased. He wants us to experience restoration and refreshing. Yeah. It says a lot about the Father. Yeah. And he's still offering repentance. He hasn't withdrawn repentance. I think that's really crucial to recognize. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's willing to blot out sins. Peter was making it known that, look, all y'all that realize that Jesus was what we believe he to be. Yeah. And that he's gone. Mm-hmm. He's not coming back. That's false. And all y'all who believe that, you know, this as well as our chance for repentance is gone. It never will come back again. Get that out of your head. Right. You can still change. Right. Your your destiny is not set in stone. So, if you want, do it. Yeah. If not, I'm sorry for you. But Face the consequences. It's your choice. Kind of a cool picture because, like, like you said, they're at this like spring or whatever. The water where yep. all the people that have been lame and a lot of them have probably been there for like a long time, uh-huh. hoping that when the spring comes up, it'll heal them. Yeah. And then this one guy who's been there for like a long time gets healed, and they're all like, Dang. 37, 38 years. So they go to Peter and John, and they're like, "It's not us, but there's still hope. But you have to do something about it." I feel like that's kind of a cool picture. It's not just like instant gratification. They're looking for more than just a healing. Yeah. They're wanting to give them like life abundantly, <laughs> rather than just like let's just heal everybody here. It's like right. no, let me give you the key to life in general. That's right. For life everlasting. Yeah. Yeah. It lets them know that there's responsibility on them that they have to do something. Right. As well. Yeah. Yep. So who are we? What does this passage say about us? And what should we obey? Thank you. I feel like we would be the people who deny Jesus and yeah. have hope of yeah. restoration and refreshing. Yep. Yeah. We would all be people. We would all be people. Mocked. Have an opportunity to change, and afterwards we would. Yeah. We follow service. 
Imagine that. Peter tells you, you know, you guys, even the Roman uh, guy, what's his name, Caiaphas? Cephas? I forget his name. Caiaphas? I feel like that's wrong. Something, something else. The Roman guy who interviews Jesus. Caiaphas, I think, is one of the high priests. I'm just blanking on the guy's name. Pilate. Pontius Pilate. Thank you. Yeah. Caiaphas is the, the high priest. Pontius Pilate didn't want to kill Jesus. He heard enough and was like, you know, I don't see the fault in this guy. But, yeah. And so he takes the Jesus and then offers them Barabbas. And he thinks for sure they're going to want Jesus because this guy Barabbas is a dirtbag. And these freaking morons are like, free Barabbas. We can relate to that today. Right, right. Kill the creator, free the destroyer. So it's really easy, though. Very interesting. It's really easy, though, to look at this. And go, what a bunch of morons sitting out in that crowd. But you know what? Put ourselves back there. There's a pretty good chance most of us would have been in that crowd. There's a pretty good chance today that every single one of you has some wrong thinking in your head. Where you're just as dumb as the person that you think is the dumbest. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. Have you... Me too. Yeah. I'm pointing at myself too. Have you heard Judah Smith talk about Barabbas? Oh, yeah, it's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Barabbas. I think a lot of times we read these scriptures and we think they're just dumb. Like, they're just mindless, single-thoughted human beings. And that is not the case. Like, I know I've read it and thought that way. Like, oh, why would Cain not offer, like, a proper offering? Like, why would kill his brother? Like, who's to say we wouldn't have done it? Like, right. We do. We sin all the time. Yeah. And we're not. Yeah. Dumb single-celled organisms. Usually. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I'm not saying that's. Right. Were you done? Oh yeah. Please. Another thing that's also good to realize is Pilate was ruthless. Hmm. He was known to be a more of an executioner and judge than being, you know, like person who's. Fair. Huh. That's interesting. I didn't know that. I think my parents. Did. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could see. I, I could be wrong, but it's, yeah. I think they that's worth looking at because that would be yeah. really interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, that's. We have to read the Bible in the right way. Whenever we read about the Jewish people, it's it, we should read it like we're looking into a mirror. Well, we're looking at ourselves. Into that. That's right. That's right. But we should look at it as if we're reading from here. But it's always easier, and the scriptures bear this out, it's always easier to point the finger at somebody else. Uh, we had a pastor that said, when you point your finger at somebody, remember you've got three more. Point my back at you. So, yeah. They told me that at the lunch table. That's why I just with my whole hand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Boy. It doesn't change. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so we're we we need saving and repentance just as much as whoever your worst enemy or the person you think is the worst is. So just you know, keep that I, in mind. I have a brother who um, is definitely not interested in spiritual things, and sometimes something will come up, and I'll remember, and I'll think. Oh, 
so thankful yeah. that you have been, a, you are a part of the kingdom of God. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're going to start rolling because we're going long and I, I want to get this just done. We've got a couple more passages. So Acts chapter 26, read verse 12 through... I'm going to read 12 through 23. Or does somebody else want to read it? I'll read it. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. So on one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw the light, a light from heaven brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people, uh, yet yeah, from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, and so that, so that they may receive forgiveness of sin and place among those who are sanctified by me and by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. First to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God, and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. That is why some of the Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. You said what? 23? Um, you can actually stop there. Okay. <clears throat> um, the main verse we're looking at is verse 20. But I always like to give context. So Paul is standing on trial in front of King Agrippa. And he's having to give account for why he's doing what he's doing and all this stuff. Um, verse 19, he tells King Agrippa, I just wasn't disobedient to the heavenly vision I received. And then he says, I declared first to those in Damascus and then in those in Jerusalem and then throughout all the rest of the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent Turn to God and do works befitting repentance. Now, does that mean that he was like, the Jews needed to know these, or know this first of all? Mm. Like, the, they needed to know it immediately. They, they needed to understand it this way. Or did he, it was just, those were the people nearest to him, and then he worked his way out? I think there's another passage where Paul says, the kingdom or the gospel is for uh, the Jews first, and then to the Gentiles. Um, and that was Jesus's mo like thing. There's that one story where Jesus is uh, <clears throat> walking, and some woman comes and prays and a or asks him to like heal her, and he tells her, you know, get away from me. You know, uh, I, my yeah, she's a Gentile. Redition. Or Phoenician, and he's like, "No, I've, I don't. You know that my I have to go to the house of Israel first. And she says, "Yes, I understand that, but even the dogs get scraps from the table." And Jesus is like, "Well, I'm a sucker for some good faith." <laughs> you know, like he broke the mission because this woman had faith. 
Um, but it was first for the Jew, the house of Israel, and then to the Gentile. doesn't mean that you know, Gentiles have to wait in line. It just means that the priority was to preach to the Jewish people. So, um, because they still didn't understand it. That's right. That's right. So, in this verse, uh, chapter 20, what, what do we see? What's standing out? stand when you're in front of God at the end of your days and you have to give account for your life <clears throat> and you have to look him in the eye and say you know what you did do or what you didn't do like what excuse are you going to give well God I, I was just working on like understanding it more I just needed to understand it more he's going to look at you and go you didn't understand it enough to go love on the person next to you to give away the things that you had excess I mean that's sobering and I don't say that to scare you and I don't want you to think that God is this ruthless angry man who's vengeful and just wanting to take out take it out on people no that's not him he's given every opportunity but he is a God that is fair and he's going to judge accurately and there is no wavering in a judge I'll never forget the time I went to uh, court out in Goochland for a speeding ticket and or no it was here in uh, Henrico and I had all these excuses you know I was like well you know what happened was this that or the other and I had it all in my head and I got up there and I uh, he called my name so I stood up at the, the desk and he was like were you speeding yeah uh, so you're guilty yeah Okay, go pay your fine. You're done. <laughs> Boom. And I walked out like, that sucks. Like, I mean, he wouldn't even listen to me. He wouldn't even hear a word I said. I, like, I, I'm trying to, if he would just listen, I could persuade him. Mm-hmm. That, wait until you see God, you know? Yeah. Don't think that you're going to be able to persuade him. Pretty he words. already knows your heart. Pretty words for alliances only mm-hmm. half the war. That's right. I mean, is it? Oh, it's not going to stand. And so that should, that should instill some, uh, not just fear, but reverence yeah. to the position of where God's at. If he's a good jo- judge, we shouldn't ask him to waver. Yeah. We should just follow in what he's saying. You know? Yeah. Um, and when we've messed up, go to him. Yeah. Repent. Yeah. Turn. Because he is willing to like overlook things and blot out sins and stuff like that where you've missed it. You know, um, but like you have to be willing to repent. And he wants us to succeed. That's right. He wants us to cross the finish line. That's right. Win the race. He wants us to make it to the ultimate goal mm-hmm. and reward. Yeah. But 
sometimes we don't want to. Yep. So, all right. So, God in this passage, I think once again we can answer this pretty easily that God is the one to whom we're repenting towards. Um, and he's also a God who's demanding us to not just say we repent, but prove it with our actions. Um, who are we in this passage? I think it's also pretty obvious that we are the ones repenting and the ones that need to prove our repentance through our actions. Um, so, obey. Repent. Thank you. Um, all right, next verse. Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9 through 10. Second Corinthians seven, verse nine to ten. As it is, I rejoice not because you agree but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. We could probably read the whole chapter, but... We're not going to just in lieu of time. But Paul, even in the verse in verse eight, right before what we read, he tells him, you know, I'm sorry I've, that I've made you, or even if I made you sorry with my letter, I don't regret it. Mm-hmm. Though I did regret it. He's like, I feel bad that I made you feel bad, but I don't actually feel that bad. Sorry, like, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what he said. For I perceive that the same letter which made you sorry, though only for a, a little while. So, what is this saying about repentance? What is this whole section of verses saying about repentance? It's, you, I think he's suggesting that yeah, the whole thing about love is pure, love is never failing. You, In order to repent, you kind of need that. Because love never fails. So to repent, you, you, it, for you to truly repent, you need to never fail on that. Never so, what, read the, can you read the verse real quick? Read 9 and 10. Because I'm not saying that what you're saying is wrong. That's just, careful, I don't think what that's saying. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. I think that's the wrong verse. What verse are you in? What chapter are you in? Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Oh. Ha! That makes sense. So we're not in John 3. See? One day we'll teach on John 3. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody turn to John 3. And it said, for even if I made you sorry with my little towel. Some days are better than others. <laughs> All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter 7, read verses 9 and 10. Okay. 
yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful at bad intentions, so were not harmed in any way uh, by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Yeah. yeah, so saying you're sorry is only a, is half the journey. Hmm. You're, you're saying you're sorry about what happened or how you implemented something against something else or someone else. So this passage brings up two ways of being sorry. Yes. There's a... There's the repentful way of basically saying, sorry for this, never doing it again, no matter what. All right, hold on. Read it again. Chapter 9, or verse 9. What's the like first I, type of sorrow? Like I'm, I'm not picking on you. I I'm helping. Like it's obvious, but I'm just not getting it. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. Uh-huh. So Keep going. Okay. You became sorrowful as God intended, and so we're not harmed in the way by us. That's right. Sorrowful as the way God intended. Right. Or, in other translations, Godly sorrow. <laughs> it's like no when you're writing a paper in high school and you're trying to add more words to your word count. Godly sorrow. Sorrow as in God, the way God intended. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's basically saying that when you repent, I'm happy. What he's basically saying is, I'm happy for you because you only felt the amount of conviction and guilt that God wanted you to. Yes. No extra, no less, and because of that, you were led to repentance. So there, yeah, there is a. That's right. Light bulb. Yep. Then that's why I asked you to keep reading it because yeah. what I want, what a lot of people do is they'll read it, and then they'll start talking about other things and forget what they just read. Yeah. And so I want to keep pointing you back. This is a good lesson for if you're ever leading a Bible study, tell them to go read it again. Yeah. Just read it again. What does it actually say? I have to do that to myself, too, because I'll assume a lot of times what Scripture says, and I'll go, yeah, yeah, yada, 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 and then I've had people say, go read it again, and I go, I guess it doesn't say, it's kind of like the Acts thing we just talked about. (laughs) We come in with preconceived notions, yeah, our own examples or experiences, Yeah. so there's two types of sorrow, there's godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is, ah, woe is me, I'm so bad. Self-pity. You know, self-pity. Or not like, even I'm so bad. Or not even I'm so bad. Like, but it wasn't my fault. You know, I, I just had this and that and that going on. And, or I regret it. Oh, now I have to live with this regret. You know, I regret that I ever did that. And I should have never. But my whole family. Godly sorrow is, man, I really missed the mark. I really messed up. But that's not the end of the story. Because God wants to do something different. God wants to take what I, my mess up, and he's using it for a lesson for me to be different in the future. That's godly sorrow. And it doesn't lead to guilt or condemnation or I'm this horrible person and yada, yada, yada. Uh, I'm not the scum of the earth. You know that I've heard lots of pastors say that. We're all scum of the earth. We have to be reminded of our sin. And you know, Yes, we do need to be reminded of sin in general and how... Prone we are to wander. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Uh, <laughs> Lord, I feel it. Uh, 
But when we're in Christ, like we are not scum. If you call yourself scum, you're calling what Jesus paid for dirt. Mm -hmm. And you are calling what his sacrifice uh, inefficient or ineffective. And you don't want to be the one doing that. Jesus withheld nothing. He gave his body for you. He gave his blood for you. You know, Jesus, when he died on the cross, he didn't actually die from hanging on the cross because most people would last like two, three days dying on the cross. It actually says he died of a broken heart. His heart burst. That's when the, they pierced his side and the water shot out. Asphyxiation. <clears throat> his heart literally exploded. He gave it all for us. For you, for you, for you. So, godly sorrow is a good thing to have. Yeah. Because it doesn't diminish your value because you messed up. It calls you up. Yeah, I was like, when I first started reading the word, mm-hmm. my dad explained it like, well, just start in Matthew. Yeah. I was like in college, like I knew God and I believed in Jesus as a son, but I was not a disciple. Uh-huh. I was not living life for the Lord. Yeah. And so I just started reading and I just like, was like a child and it all came to life. And yeah. I just remember going to church that Sunday and when they started worshiping, I just like fell down in my seat and wept the whole service, like loudly. Yeah. I could not like contain it. My mom was like, are you okay? And I was like, have a moment. Yeah. Yeah. And it was the Lord convicting me of all the ways in my life that the way he put it was, you don't need this. It doesn't make you <clears throat> bad. Yeah. But like, I have something better. Yeah. And he like, in a vision, flashed before me all the things that I was participating in that mm-hmm. he was like, you don't need this. You don't need this. You don't need this. It wasn't like, stop doing this. You're terrible for that. <laughs> yeah. It never felt that way. It was it like, was advice. it was him calling me to his higher purpose. Yeah. And it wasn't condemning. And that, You're so valuable. You should be. Yes. Here. Like th- it makes you feel valuable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make you feel like trash. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was just, it was sorrow, but it was like freedom. Freedom. It felt releasing. It's like the prodigal son yes. who was hanging out in the pig pen and thought he was worthy of being a pig pen boy. So yes. he asked his dad for a job to work with the pigs on his dad's farm. And the dad's like, screw that. Yeah. Get this man a ring, a robe, and you know, a scepter. And we'll get him back out here and we're going to throw him a party. Yeah. You know? yeah. That, that's the, that is what it looks like to repent yeah. with godly sorrow. That's right. And it... it he paints a picture for you, like, yes. this is what I've called you to do. Yeah, and it's not, so okay. that that's the beautiful thing about the Lord. Me and Mo, I honestly had a conversation about this last night or the other night, but we should come to the Lord broken and saying, like, I have messed up and screwed up. Yeah. Like, I'm horrible. I did the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Because we need to be aware, it, and when we do that, it makes it less about us and more about Him. Because it's showing that we're fixated on him, God, and his standard, and how we don't match up. Right? But then God responds most times, almost all times, I would say, with, yeah, but this is where I'm calling you to. Where he says, I love you. 
I see all those things you did. And I still love you. I have no plans of going nowhere. You know, um, it's just beautiful. Um, I think, uh, oh, go ahead. Well, just the difference between the godly sorrow and worldly sorrow is worldly sorrow will be like, I'm a terrible person. And then you just stay a terrible <laughs> yeah. person. And you just keep thinking that I'm you're a terrible, terrible person. person. But godly sorrow is like, man, I feel like I'm a terrible person and I've done these things and like by all rights I should be a terrible person and God says yeah but you're not because yeah. that's not who I've called you to be yeah 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 um I this this thought came in my head right now but we sang that song earlier of, uh you make my heart come alive yeah and this is more so just for everybody here if you feel like your heart is numb to the things of God Welcome to the party, number one, because uh, we've all been there. I've been there. I still be there at times. Um, I be there, you know. But I tell you, what always helps, what always helps is me repenting. Me saying, God, I have not done the things I should be doing. I keep doing the things I don't want to do and don't do the things I want to do. Yeah, that's Paul's way of repenting, and I I relate hardcore. Most times when I repent, I I, I hear the Lord speak to me, or I sense his pleasure and satisfaction over me. I hear him, and that, when I hear him say, Son, I see your sin, I see where you messed up, and I'm choosing to love you still, that'll make your heart come alive. That'll make you act like the guy who got healed at the, the gate. And with Peter and John, because he he got gets healed, he's like, "Oh man, this is way better than silver and gold!" and runs out screaming like, "The gospel of Jesus Christ, he's alive, he's alive!" I mean, that's the thing that makes your heart come alive. So, just as a side tangent, if anyone here feels like your heart is stagnant, numb, hardened, uh, repent, yeah, repent, and let him. Breathe life over your dead heart. Or you heart don't know what you repent for. Yeah. You probably know what you repent for. But if you don't know, you can always ask the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit. Show you. Yeah. So. Um, he good though. He do be good. So, godly sorrow. Having godly sorrow is, is what God is asking us to do here. Uh, that we wouldn't just go in and have our own version of sorrow that makes us feel better about ourselves because we're just wallowing in shame but godly sorrow that calls us to another level, that gives us responsibility again. Um, So we're called to have godly sorrow and to repent from that godly sorrow. And that's our obedience point. So we're moving. Here's our last one, 2 Peter chapter 3. Last one. 2 Peter. Um, And I'm going to read this one. Um, I'm going to read the whole chapter just because I feel crazy like that. Second Peter chapter 3. I'm going to read the whole thing. We're going to focus on verse 9. Um, Peter says, Beloved, I now write to you this second letter, in both of which I stir up your mind, pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of, of, of us, the apostles, of the Lord and Savior, 
knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. This is talking about Jesus' second coming, by the way. Um, For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do the rest of the scriptures. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory now and forever. And I'm just going to read verse 9 one more time. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. I wanted to read that because it's all in context of something different, the, the day of the Lord, Jesus' second coming. So what, what, is, what stands out to you guys here? The Lord wants us to succeed and is slow to give the judgment order. He really wants to give us as much time as we can. Yeah. But there's only so long he can delay. Yeah. I see two choices. Perish or repent. And those are I got facts. a song for you. You might like it. Those are those are two hardened stone facts. They're not like oh you you can uh, perish, you can repent or you know, there's other stuff. It's these are the only two options. These are the facts. Yeah. It's not I'm trying to scare you or persuade you, it's just these are what is ahead of this room? Yeah, you can you can choose your pick, but I'm not going to tell you what's behind either door. We we read this in the first session when we talked about being followers, but there's a parable where uh, Jesus says, you know, there's who of you, uh, if you're going to build a tower, isn't going to count up the cost before you build the tower, lest you run out of material halfway through. And then those of you who are Say you were a king and there's another king coming against you. and You have a thousand men, but he has two thousand men. Who of you isn't going to go with him and say, you know, I surrender. Yeah, I give in to you. And basically what that parable is saying is like, you got two choices. You can either 
count the cost of what it costs to follow me, or you can count the cost of what it takes to stand against me. Because either way, I'm coming. Which one can you afford? And uh, I'd say I'd rather take the risk on trying to follow him. You know? And it really isn't a risk. Right. It's, it's a lifestyle. And it's a, um, the, the longer you walk in the, the ways that the Lord has set up, the more peace. We were talking about, um, I don't know what you said, but it made me think of uh, when you're not, when you're out of sync with the Lord, mm-hmm. you lose your peace. Mm-hmm. And when, and, and that's a terrible feeling when you when you're accustomed to walking in a peaceful, tranquil way, and then maybe you don't even realize that you've done something. There's something in this. Harvest joy can go also shows that God's desire is that none should perish. Like we hear so many times like well maybe it's not God's will for this or that and we've heard weird theology that like Mm -hmm. God only chose a certain amount of people Mm -hmm. that he wants to have in heaven but this right here says his will is that none should perish but all come to repentance. But unfortunately there will be a great many who will perish. Oh yeah. But once again, it's that picture of the tent, you know. The day when he comes, it will be a it will be a elated, ecstatic day, but also a terrible, sorrowful day. Yep, the great and terrible day of the Lord. Not for us, though. Right. No. For us, it will be the first half. Actually, I I like the uh, the analogy you gave of the tent because. It lets you. It really encompasses the thing of like you don't you don't need to see the full picture, right? Right. Because when you're in a tent, I mean, I know they got tents now where it's like clear, you can see. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, from the outside, Summer. but like old school tents. Yeah, yeah. You can't Spoilers see. on them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you can't see. Uh, you can't see out of the tent. Yeah. Um, and so you don't know what's going on. Really. And, yeah. Exactly. And so. It keeps the mind of like, hey, stay inside the tent. You're safe. It's, you're fine. You don't need to know what's going on. Yeah. Yep. And that's that's a trust thing. It's like a, like a, well, you know, putting your hands on someone and blindfolding yourself. Yeah. Trusting them to lead you. That's what he's calling you to do is to just. And do one of those trust walks. You have you. If you wish to be with me. Do that, yeah. and that is the only way I can give. Yeah. The picture I get from him most of the time is, if there was another time, yeah, if there was another way, he would make it open immediately. But he can't find any other. Way. He's made. He's already set the playing field. Yeah, yeah. and he's not going to go back on his word because he's a fair, good judge. Yeah. So, yeah. So, encompassing this whole thing because I want to wrap up. I know we could probably sit here and talk for another two, three hours, but I don't want to. Um, what, overall, from all these scriptures, who is God? What What would you say you've learned about God today? Thank you. Just 
fair. Just fair. Merciful. Merciful. Patient, definitely. His door is open. He's mm -hmm. patient. Near. He's near. He's long-suffering, which is patience, but I like that word of long-suffering. Yeah. He suffers for a long time. Yeah. I see. A more elegant way of what I said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Trademark. Yeah. Actually, it feels kind of like a piece-together word, long-suffering, but you know, yeah. whatever. He, he's here, and he's he here. wants us. Yeah. 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 And the thing that's crazy, too, is that he's like... This is like when Jesus, when Jesus came, he's like, look, you guys don't have the tools to handle this right now. I'm going to give you the tools to handle this. Not only does he want us to choose him, he's like giving us the tools to choose him. Yeah. It's also like, it's like an open door. Yeah. This might be the wrong word to use, but I feel like he's humble. Yeah. Because like when someone does something wrong against me, I can right. feel yeah. very like justified in like, you hurt me. You, did, you sinned against me. And instead of him being like, that was your choice. Sucks yeah. to suck. Like, he's very humble and merciful and doesn't hold stuff against us. He's like willingly, like, you can make it right. Yeah. Here's how you make it right. I, it reminds, I saw a meme, and uh, it was this guy. I guess he was pretending to be Jesus, and he was, had the cross on his shoulders, and he's, like, walking down the road, and all these guys are around him with whips and stuff. And they're, like, whipping him. And finally, he just goes... And turns around and says, oh, Jesus Jesus and like, <laughs> they're like Jesus in South Beach or something like that. <laughs> and it just made me laugh. But I've heard stories about like Jesus when he's walking to the, the cross. He's getting unjustly beaten. He's getting all these things. He could have easily returned it with pride. With, yeah. you know, I am the king of the universe. You do not understand how big I am. Yeah. I am God in the flesh. And y'all are trying to hit me with whips and chains. And that hurts. Because I chose to be a man. That hurts. You know? But instead, he, he suffered in silence and was humble. That's a great way of putting it. That's a great thing to see. Yeah. I don't think I've thought of him like that. Right. Yeah. You just don't think about it. Because you think of his power. Right. His holiness yeah but you don't think like to give forgiveness it takes humility yeah like you have to lower your pride right yeah that is crazy and it's like you knowing mind. ultimately who you are like he's so secure in himself right he doesn't mm -hmm. have to have to justify himself right he just <clears throat> is the truth yeah and it's like stuff. my favorite chapter in the bible philippians 2 when jesus it talks about the nature of jesus that he came in the flesh. He didn't consider equality with God something to be attained. But instead, he took on the form of a servant and washed the disciples' feet. Man, that, like, that is the picture of humility. That he would, even though he's God, even though he demands, like he should be worshipped by all of us because he is our creator. He's the, the source of all things. He's, he's everything to us. Without him, we're nothing. And yet he chooses to submit himself to serve us. Boom. What the world? That's crazy. So who are we? What have we learned about us? No! <laughs> we kind of suck sometimes, but we don't have to. Right. 
and we're always given a, we always have that only escape plan that he has for us to turn back to. That's right. We will sin, we will miss the mark. We will mess up, and inherently, you know, we, we, we're just, we've got some things wrong with us. Where we prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Like, I feel that so hard, you know. <clears throat> but we have to repent. Like, we need to change our minds so that we're on the same side as God and doing the things that make Him happy. And with repentance, we're not just saying it. Lord, oh man, if the church in America would teach people to repent and mean it and prove it through their actions, what a different world we would see. Instead, we got a bunch of fakes putting on their masks, saying they repented, crying at the altar, and walking out and doing the same old thing. And it's just like the Pharisees. And I'm not saying, I, I mean, I'm, I was part of that. I'm not just pointing out big church. or There's house churches that do it. I mean, it's just the church in general is in an unhealthy place because we've, we haven't preached the severity of repentance. And I think we need more John the Baptist to come up and go, you brood of snakes. Who warned you? The, the axe is laying at the root. He, he's pulling back. The time is now. Get right. And that's what um, we need to obey. While it's said that um, John 3.16 is the most popular verse in the Bible, uh-huh. probably the second most popular verse is Ephesians 2.8.9. Mm. For by grace are you saved through faith, right. and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 needs to have one more verse. That's mm-hmm. verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ain't it right? Hmm? I said, ain't it true? Yeah. <laughs> so everybody stops. Yeah. Yeah. For a reason? Yeah. And the church, so much of the church has grown work-averse. When they hear works, they think, you're trying to take me out of rest, and I need to learn to rest in God. And I think people do need to rest. We do. That is something we need to learn, but not at the expense of works. Right. We can have both. God instituted it that way. Work six days, rest the seven. Right. <laughs> he did both. We can have both. We don't have to sacrifice one for the other. And too much of the church is separated by this issue because they're either so works minded or so rest minded. Yeah, what you do speaks so loud I can't hear a word you say. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. And that's what the world says. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need to have an equal amount of work and then rest. Yeah. Oh, unequal amount. Six days to one day. Six days to work, seven days to rest, or one day to rest. Six days to work, seven days to rest, baby! I don't know if it's necessarily 
a math equation that we need to figure out. It's more so a mindset of I'm working, I'm doing the thing, but then I take my time to rest. And I'm not sitting down idly. And you know what? When you're doing the works of the Lord, it feeds you. It sustains you. And you'll have times of refreshing. Mm. Yeah, like like chocolate milk, baby. So, all right, I'm going to end it. I'm going to pray. And then we'll do some praying and talking. But, uh, Father, we just love you. We thank you. We thank you for the gift of repentance. What a gift it is. You didn't have to offer it to us. What a humble God you are. That you offer us a chance, not just a chance, multiple chances to choose the right choice and do the right thing. And I just pray that today that this wouldn't just be a a thing of talk, but that this would be something that, like we read in Scripture, cuts through to our heart. That when we leave this room, this house today, that we would go, okay, what do we need to do, Lord? And that you would give us simple, practical things to follow. Um, We don't lean on our works as our salvation. That is not what saves us. You are the one that saves us. We're just doing good works because we were created for that. And we want to prove that we are actually following you. It's a sign for ourselves. So we just love you. We honor you today. Um, And uh, yeah, we just bless your name. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope today's podcast blessed you. And as always, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus.